And welcome back to another episode of Canal Street Chronicles. My name is Shem Hanks. I'm going to be your host on Tuesdays and Thursdays. On Tuesdays, I'll be giving you a little bit of the news. On Thursdays, I'll be going over some injury reports. I'm excited to be with you all for the rest of the year. I'm excited for postseason where I'll be doing a little bit of draft analysis for us. That's something that I feel like is one of my strengths is talent evaluation so very excited for that very excited to be sharing some of that insight i am going to preface this episode by saying that i don't tend to like just preaching at you i don't like to just sit here and talk Uh, i'm a little bit more conversational and so i'm going to be bringing in various guests to talk about the saints throughout the year But there will certainly be times when, yes, you do have to listen to just me and my thoughts about the Saints, about the league, about the draft, about everything that's going on. Who dat? Let's get right into it. So this week there was a trade deadline and it was a super, super hyped trade deadline, but nothing actually happened, including with the Saints. I know that there were rumors about them being in on wide receivers looking for additional help. Because let's be honest, Traquan Smith has not been the answer. So the Saints were supposed to have been in the market for another guy, someone else who could help give that offense a little bit more of a punch. And one of them was Emmanuel Sanders. So Emmanuel Sanders goes to the 49ers. And I actually didn't think that there was any chance that the Saints were going to end up with Emmanuel Sanders because of the relationship that John Elway has with the Shanahan family. And so to me, he was always going to be uh, traded over to John Lynch and traded over to Kyle Shanahan. The other guy that was potentially out there was AJ Green, but it seems like the Bengals are holding fast to AJ Green. And I actually like AJ Green for a comment that he made earlier in the year where he understands legacy. That's something that I feel like a lot of guys in the NFL are missing right now is the sense of legacy. And A.J. Green is sticking around with the Bengals. He wants a long-term extension, which I totally respect him for. Two guys that I did think that the Saints were going to be in on were Devontae Parker and Robbie Anderson. I actually think that Devontae Parker's having a pretty good year in Miami, considering who his quarterbacks have been and what that offense has looked like. Devontae Parker certainly has endless talent. He has a lot of capability. And I think that that would have really blossomed within this Saints scheme. At the same time, Robbie Anderson is a young guy. He was a top 20 wide receiver just like two years ago. And so Robbie Anderson being able to burn down the field, stretch the field out for Michael Thomas, who's the best wide receiver in football, would be such a great addition to this team. And like I said, I'm not really a believer in Traquan Smith. I'm not a believer in Keith Kirkwood. And so... You needed to add something else to that mix, even though, let's also be honest, the Saints have only lost one game. So at 7-1, and one, how can you say that there's a deficiency? But I think that there is, and I think that they could have corrected that during the trade deadline. One of the reasons why I think that the Saints did not make that move, did not make a move to get one of those wide receivers, is because of the players that are going to be coming back after the bye, where I fully expect Alvin Kamara to be back. I fully expect Jared Cook to be back. I fully expect Traquan Smith to be back. Additionally, a player that seems to be on track to be brought back from injured reserve, activated from injured reserve, 
is Keith Kirkwood. Now, I will admit to you all, I'm not a big Keith Kirkwood fan. If I was on this podcast during the preseason, you would have heard me talk about Cyril Grayson Jr. and Emmanuel Butler and Lil Jordan Humphrey as guys who I actually liked more than Keith Kirkwood, or at least liked them more in terms of getting a roster spot. But, hey, I'm trying to not hold that against him, and hopefully that will be another piece, a player that improves off of last year. I don't know about y'all, but I am personally looking forward to that Atlanta Falcons game at home. I think that is going to be a crushing victory by the Saints. A week to prepare, maybe Matt Ryan comes back, but that defense is awful for Atlanta. I have no idea why or how Dan Quinn still has a job. He isn't even on the hot seat anymore. It's just an inevitability, and I can't believe that Atlanta hasn't pulled the trigger. If you're anything like me, all you're really doing is hoping for the next game. So you're really just hoping for that Atlanta game. So what I'm going to do for this episode, because we're not even going to get a true injury report, which I would normally do on the Thursday show, until next week. What I'm going to do is more recap where we are this year. Look at who might be the MVP of the league. Look at who might be the defensive player of the league. Look at where we are in terms of playoff picture. Looking forward on the Saints schedule, only four teams of their remaining eight opponents have winning records. Let's repeat that. Four out of the next eight have winning records, including two games against the Carolina Panthers, who are four and three. And Oh yeah, San Francisco just scored 51 points against them. I am not overly concerned about Carolina, even though they have an MVP candidate who I will be getting into later. Looking at who they have remaining on their schedule makes me feel really good about my preseason prediction that the Saints are going to not only make the Super Bowl, but win the Super Bowl. But hey, we're only at the midway point of the year. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Saints have survived arguably the biggest injury that they could have, which was Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater filled in like a hero, and Drew Brees came back and was an absolute stud. He was showing everyone that he's feeling no effects of that thumb injury. And so, with that in mind, things are looking all daisies right now for the Saints team. But let's look around the rest of the league, where it seems like at the halfway point, Only one team out of the NFC East is actually going to make the playoffs. The 49ers are in a great position to win the NFC West. And then when we look at the NFC North, it's going to be a tussle between the Packers and between the Vikings for the rest of the season. But the Saints are absolutely running away with the division. And so it becomes about the wild card, where I imagine whoever does not win the NFC North between the Packers and the Vikings is going to be one of the wild card teams And then Seattle and the Rams are in an absolute slugfest for that final wildcard berth for the rest of the season. And so that's going to be a fascinating race to watch. I don't think that Carolina has what it takes to make it. I don't think that the other NFC East team is going to have enough wins to make it. And same with a lot of the other squads. So I feel pretty confident In the five teams that I had mentioned, uh, the NFC East, I'm still going to go with the Eagles over Dallas. Uh, 
I'm just a little bit more of a believer in Peterson and in Carson Wentz than I am of Jason Garrett and of Dak Prescott. I know Prescott's having a big year, and I know there's always the debate between Carson Wentz and between Dak Prescott, and I think Dak Prescott's having a better year, but I am just more of a believer in the Eagles organization than I am of the Dallas organization. And so I think the Eagles make it, and it's the final year in Big D for Jason Garrett. But let's talk midseason MVP. So I was on a show for the quarter mark after four weeks and gave my MVP. At that point, it was still Patrick Mahomes for me. Now, I would throw this caveat in there that after eight weeks, it would probably still be Patrick Mahomes for me. But he got injured. I was actually covering that game and was there when Patrick Mahomes got hurt. And so Patrick Mahomes certainly has a chance to get back into the MVP race. I would probably put him as my sixth guy right now if I were to expand my list even further. But uh, Patrick Mahomes is a broken video game, not in terms of his actual injury, but in terms of his talent, where he is just so, so good that I think he could absolutely vault himself back into the MVP race, even if he misses another game. But with that in mind, let me just give you my top five MVP candidates right now. At number five, Dalvin Cook, Minnesota Vikings. Listen, Kirk Cousins isn't all that impressive. It's Dalvin Cook who's impressive. He has 823 rushing yards. Think about that. 823 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, 293 yards receiving. He's already had over a thousand all-purpose yards as a running back. This is why the Vikings are as good as they are this year. It has nothing to do with who's at quarterback and everything to do with who's at running back. Dalvin Cook is showing that potential that he's always had should he stay healthy. Now, I also like their backup, Alexander Madison. I would start singing songs from Hamilton right now, but we don't need a good old-fashioned lawsuit here. Next up at number four for me is Aaron Rodgers. Talk about a bounce-back year. 2,324 yards passing, but 16 touchdowns, and oh yeah, only two interceptions thrown. That's how good Aaron Rodgers is. Aaron Rodgers is reminding everybody about how good he is. Get him a young coach with an offensive mind, and hey, let Aaron Rodgers flourish. This Packers team is going to be the biggest impediment to the Saints Super Bowl dreams. I am not sold on the 49ers yet, but I am sold on this Packers team. But Russell Wilson, over 2,000 yards passing, 17 touchdowns, only one interception. He also gets it done with his legs with 182 yards, three touchdowns. And certainly, if you look at that Seattle team, just their roster, you're not going to be blown away by him. Russell Wilson is winning games by himself right now. And I expect that to continue. I don't think that they make the playoffs. I still think that the Rams have too much talent and that they jump Seattle. But Russell Wilson, you got to give it up for him. He's not my MVP candidate, but if you were to give him that midseason honor, I wouldn't hold it against you. And number two, I've got Deshaun Watson. With J.J. Watt going out last week, if the Texans are going to do anything this season, 
I firmly believe it's going to be with Deshaun Watson. That defense for theirs is, was really good. It had Clowney, it had Watt, it had some guys in the secondary like Kareem Jackson. But that was last year. This is this year, and their offense is going to be what carries them, and it's going to be by Deshaun Watson. Over 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, 5 INTs, another guy who gets it done on the ground, 242 yards rushing, and 5 more touchdowns. I don't know if you all saw that play last week where he gets kicked in the eye, spins around, still throws a touchdown. He is so, so talented where during his draft class, I thought that beyond Miles Garrett, Deshaun Watson was the best player. Unfortunately, the Bears did not listen to me and they drafted Mitch Trubisky. And it turns out I was actually wrong anyway because Patrick Mahomes was overall the best player in that draft. And actually, I was tossing back and forth between Deshaun Watson being number one or this guy being number one. And that guy is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, special, special player. 735 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, and then 39 receptions for 343 yards and two more touchdowns. He is insane with what he can do on the football field. Where, is he a top 10 running back? Yes. But also, if he were to play wide receiver, would he be a top 10 wide receiver? I think so. This guy is incredibly talented, and I think he has been the MVP of the league this year. But let's not forget the defense. Let's talk defensive MVP through the first eight weeks. Where at number five, here's a guy that I've been touting for over a year now, and that's Corey Littleton. Corey Littleton with the Rams has been an excellent, excellent middle linebacker. 66 tackles, couple of sacks, forced fumble, couple of fumble recoveries, and oh yeah, two interceptions. Number four, I've got Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez has been the anchor of a much improved Packers team. You're sensing a theme here where I definitely have a lot of respect for what this Packers organization has done. Blake Martinez has 83 tackles already this year. He has a sack, he has a forced fumble, and more importantly, has been a leader on a team that hasn't put Aaron Rodgers in bad situations. At number three, I've got Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan, the cornerback from Tennessee. Once again, I saw Logan Ryan live. Uh, what's, what strikes you about him is that he's very understated as a cornerback. You kind of forget that he's there and then he makes a massive play. He has 51 tackles and four sacks. He has four sacks as a cornerback. He's forced three fumbles and he has three interceptions. He's been an absolute wrecking ball for a team that has been so good on defense and so few people nationally have been talking about how good that Tennessee Titans defense is. It's no surprise that when you replace Mariota with Tannehill, that that team has looked much better because all you have to do is not put that defense in bad situations. That defense is good enough to win you games. And at the quarter mark of the year, this guy would have been my defensive MVP, and he's number two on my list this year. And that is Shaq 
Barrett. Shaq Barrett already has 10 sacks on the year. He's forced four fumbles and has an interception. He's somebody that took a gamble on himself, left a good situation in Denver where he was a backup outside linebacker behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, but he said, no, I think I'm good enough to be a starter. And what has he proven? He's good enough to be a starter. Shaq Barrett, you are about to get paid this offseason. And at number one, can I just give this award to the entire Patriots defense, actually? Number one, I mean, they are looking like the best defense of all time. I saw a stat that if the offense hadn't scored a single point, the defense alone would make this Patriots team have an above 500 record. That's how good this Patriots defense has been. Before the season, I put the Patriots and the Saints in the Super Bowl. I'm not changing that. Someone has to prove to me that they can stop the Patriots. I actually do think that the Saints are that team. I think that they are very underrated right now. As you can tell, I didn't put any Saints players in the top five of either offense or defense. And that goes to show how underrated this team has been where they are really flying under the radar for a team that's only lost one game. And I think that makes them really dangerous because they're a team that feeds off of adversity. So just from a psychological level, I think that that puts the Saints in a very special category. But that's for a later date. Right now, I'm going to give you who I think is the top defensive player from the Patriots. And that player is Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins has 44 tackles, six sacks, two forced fumbles, three interceptions, and he took one to the house for a touchdown. Jamie Collins, to me, has been the best player on the best defense in the league, where he's so versatile. He can pop inside, he can pop outside as a linebacker, rush the quarterback, drop back into coverage, do run blocking. He's special, a guy who was sent out of New England by Bill Belichick because he was looking for more money, so Bill Belichick sent him to Cleveland. He left Cleveland and was the prodigal son that went back to New England, and I think he has been the number one difference maker on this team. Granted, you could probably give this award to pretty much any player on that defense, whether it be Donta Hightower, whether it be the McCourties times two, uh, Stefan Gilmore, even a guy like Chase Winovich getting it done as a rookie. I wouldn't say you should give it to him and put him on the same level, but Chase Winovich has been very, very good. Kyle Van Noy, another player that's been exceptional on that defense. But for me, I'm giving it to Jamie Collins and defensive player as a whole. As for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I still think that it's Kyler Murray and Defensive Rookie of the Year. But for right now, it's still Devin Bush for me, where Devin Bush has been just so good. And if you're a team like the Denver Broncos, who had, as the story goes, Devin Bush written on their draft card, ready to turn it in when they got the trade that would give them Noah Fant and Drew Locke. Now, would you trade Noah Fant and Drew Locke for Devin Bush? Yeah, I would take Devin Bush over both of them. That's where we're at for the Saints at the midway point of the year. That's where we're at for the league at the midway point of the year. I'm excited I'll be with you all next week talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Hopefully you all enjoy football this Sunday. Stay home, go out to a bar, watch some NFL Red Zone. 
and hopefully your fantasy teams are number one in the league. All right, talk to y'all next week. Who dat? <laughs>